So we've got the biopsychosocial approach because it's never just one thing. I had back pain, I had hip pain, I had neck pain, pain in my hands, pain in my feet. It sees the human body as this frail piece of machinery that just wears out. Welcome to episode 64 of Toy Division. This episode is all about chronic persistent pain. Now, as a graffiti writer, or someone who's interested in graffiti writing culture and whatnot, you may think, well, what's that got to do with me? But a lot of us have experienced pain, will experience pain, and a lot of people injure themselves doing graffiti for various reasons. So even though this may not be your normal cup of tea or coffee or whatever you drink, give this a listen, and hopefully it should help you and may be able to help people that you know and care about. And please just share it with others if you think it will. Anyway, enough of my rambling. Please enjoy. So this is another solo sode and one of the things which I feel really ties very much in with the discussions you know, I've had, I'll say with myself, it sounds a bit worrying, but you know, the discussions and the solo episodes about mental health and I've tried to intersperse on some of the other episodes stuff about how lifestyle can influence many things, including our physical and mental health. Now, one of the biggest epidemics we've actually got in the world is chronic persistent pain. So the opioid epidemic that's been sweeping the United States for a long time and other parts of the world was a pharmaceutical strategy to deal with chronic persistent pain. So what does chronic persistent pain mean? Chronic persistent pain means anything that lasts over six months. And there is acute pain. So let's just visualize in your mind whilst you're listening to this. You put your hand on um, a stove. When the flame is on, without thinking, your um, nociceptors, which are pain respondent things which notice that input which feel that oh shit what's that shit oh crap i better move my hand without even thinking right so if you think about that that means that would be something which there's input and there's a reaction okay so nociceptive pains or nociceptive pain is just one type of pain you also have what's kind of defined as neuropathic pain, but we'll go into that. So to define nociceptive pain, that's potentially harmful stimulus being detected by the nociceptors around the body. And they're fucking everywhere. You've got receptors all over the type, all over the place, all over your body. So these damaged areas can be places like the skin, bones, or other tissues. Um, and they can also detect, as in nociceptors, can also detect chemical and thermal damage. So that's the kind of thing where we think that all pain is like that. So nociceptors are things that get stimulus and get a response. Okay, so hand on the stove, good example, or someone stamps on your toes or something like that. Okay, so the nociceptors pick up that input, sends it from the nociceptors 
through the sensory system and the neuroceptive system, or the nociceptive system, neuroception, different thing. And then it goes up to the brain and you notice, oh shit, and you move your hand. Now, as I said, that's kind of how people think that pain is for everything. Oh, I've got pain in my back, therefore something's broken or something's damaged. But there's a lot of issues with that concept because that's an old way of thinking. Now, anyone that's experienced back pain, hand pain, leg pain, hip pain, all this type of stuff, there's a lot of thinking that then, oh shit, something's broken. Fuck, can't use it. I need to go and see, I need to go to the doctor. I need to get an x-ray. I need to get an MRI. Scan, see what's broken. Now, this is the problem with what's known as the medical model is that it sees the human body as this frail piece of machinery. So what do I mean by that? I mean that there's a lot of thinking and I, you know, I definitely thought this before I experienced chronic persistent pain for 10 plus years, which I still do now. So that's why I think this is really important to be aware of because there's so many people I come into contact with and that's actually what I'm doing with a lot of my therapy work is actually moving past chronic persistent pain because until you've actually experienced it, you know, we're talking about people having back pain, hand pain, neck pain, foot pain, hip pain for decades, for decades and decades and decades. And that medical model likes to make it very simplistic. So it's like, oh, you've either got damage, which would from the medical model mean, oh, well, you probably need surgery or medication. So fix the problem because the, the medical model or the allopathic style of medicine sees the human body as this very simplistic a very individual thing. So it's like you have a kidney specialist, you have a heart specialist. And you know, that, that's very useful when you have those issues. But the human body is a complex system within system of systems. So everything, it's a bit like taking a vitamin C tablet. That's all well and good. But all the other vitamins and minerals you need to absorb that. So for example, magnesium deficiency can lead to lack of processing of vitamin D. So that's just one simple example. So let's just then take this out of what the medical model thinks. And then let's put the chronic persistent pain thinking into it. Because this was a massive relief for me. I felt like I was just fucked. I had back pain. I had hip pain. I had neck pain. Pain in my hands. Pain in my feet. I was scared to go and do lift weights because I thought I was damaged and I was break broken. And, you know, that old thinking of don't lift anything, don't bend forwards, don't squat down, don't pick anything heavy up, those awful videos which we did discuss very briefly um, on the episode with Jess Farmer. Um, it's called Wasting Money on Pharmaceuticals and Hospital Visits, um, all about holistic lifestyle, um, which is what we will go into. But chronic persistent pain is something which has now become very well researched because giving people opioids so very very strong painkillers has its own downsides other than the addictive lifestyle affecting factors the issue is with opioids is there's that's quite a lot of research that doesn't really stop pain it actually makes pain actually sometimes worse and it really fucks up your body so cardiovascular issues digestive issues massive amounts of constipation so, you know, pumping drugs into your body to stop pain 
there's not a huge amount of evidence that it actually fixes. Now the term fix is difficult because again, that medical model gets us to believe that things can be fixed. Go in, take a tablet, go in, get surgery, fixed. Now that's part of the model, which is often, when I say model, the, the paradigm which is now suggested for the management of persistent chronic pain because it's a biological thing. So there's obviously the things going on in your body, but when we talk about that, it's not just the muscles, ligaments, and tendons. There's also how our digestive system is doing, how our respiratory system is doing, how our immune system is doing, which is really important to be aware of. Keep that in your mind because all these systems within systems, you know, I have talked about the nervous system before on these episodes of Toy Division, but you know, there's things like neuroimmunology. And just leave that in your mind. Neuroimmunology. You can also have uh, neurological inflammation. All these things, like the human body is not a simplistic thing that can just be fixed with medication or fixed with surgery. But the human body is incredibly resilient. Now, this research that's been coming out, um, pain science or pain science education, so pain science is actually the study and the research of pain and what actually happens. And also then pain science education is being able to explain that to the clients or the general public or people. And that's what I'm hoping this episode does. It starts to give people that listen to this, who probably don't normally listen to geeky pain science, psychology, physio, occupational therapy, podcasts and watch lectures and read books about this type of stuff but maybe experiencing pain or know someone who's experiencing pain or someone in their family has chronic persistent pain and this might be a little seed of information to then help because this is what really helped me as I said I was I was at the point where my mental health was really messed up I was 32 33 years old and I felt like my body was broken and that was it I was done And I have discussed on other episodes my mental health issues, but that was when a lot of the a lot of the coping strategies that I had, which included lifting weights, doing sprints, going for long walks, I felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like it all was just getting worse because I was still in that medical model way of viewing pain. I didn't understand it. I didn't know that there can be biological factors like I was just touching on previously, you know, all those different systems. And that's not to say if you've broken your arm, it doesn't mean that the arm is not broken, but when, when pain, pain normally should dissipate within a period of time, pain should not remain, but that's when then we think about the biological part. Yeah. Okay. But then we need to think about the psychological part and then we need to think about the social context. So I'm just going to break that down a little bit. So we've got the biopsychosocial approach because it's never just one thing. There's the biological component. And then when we talk about biological stuff, that's all about your food and drink choices, your sleep, engaging in movement, not too much, but not too little. Kind of Goldilocks style because overdoing exercise can have its own down sides very much so you know that chronic overuse of a system um you know chronic cardio is a term you know going and just overly stressing the system because the fitness industry has taught us that doing more 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 is better 
Um, so, and then she's got the biopsychosocial approach. And then what does the social bit mean? Well, the social bit means that if we think about it like this, we've been taught that pain is something that is damage, right? Quite simplistically, it's damage or broken. Take a tablet, which really does apply to most other types of medical model slash allopathic medicine. It's like something's broken, take something, it's fixed. It's essentially <laughs> diagnosing and dealing with a symptom and fixing it. It's prescribing something to fix the symptom. Now that's pretty much how the medical system has become very much the Western medical system because there's huge amount of influence from the pharmaceutical industry. You know, most doctors and most education programs for doctors, essentially it's training to prescribe, training to fix. Now that's not the fault of doctors. I'm sure many doctors go into it. Most doctors go into it wanting to help people out. But uh, anyone that I know that's a medical doctor, you know, a GP or a whatever, just a medical doctor, they quickly realize that they're like, oh shit, I didn't really sign up to just dish out meds. They've got very short periods of time, expectations, and they burn out. Huge amount of mental health and burnout issues with doctors. So anyway, as always, I'm skewing from my point. But if we think about the social factors, like I said, we're taught that pain equals damage, right? So from birth, oh, rest up, be careful, don't use it, all oh, your back hurts, all oh, your leg hurts, don't use it, actually, the majority of the pain science research is now suggesting that actually putting more input, obviously at a rate which is bearable, so it's not like with this fragile egg that could be broken at any time. You know, don't, oh, don't, oh, you've got a slipped disc. Even that terminology that's used by clinicians and therapists makes people think that they're broken. And there's so much evidence that the way we think about our structural anatomy, the way we think about our resilience to stressors, to inputs, is skewed massively by the social expectations. Now, for me, I'd grown up in a very Western environment where it was go and see the doctor. Oh, go and get an x-ray. Oh, you've got a pain. Oh, got a pain here. And for a long time, I was going on that medical model and it was getting worse and worse and worse. I saw an osteopath, I saw a chiropractor, I got dry needled, I got traditional Chinese um, acupunctured. I went to see some fucking bullshit specialist sports doctor and I know he won't listen to this, but fuck you, you are a useless cunt. $400 and his advice was, oh, stop doing exercise. What a useless piece of shit. So you know what I did? I just was like, fuck it. I'm gonna learn about pain science myself. I'm just gonna stop being susceptible to this pain, this pain in my shoulder that was getting worse, stabbing, like someone shoving an ice pick into my shoulder. And then I really, really dived into what pain science stuff is. And I found the work of Laura Mosley and David Butler, Explain Pain, um, a book by them explain pain, I would suggest it to everybody. I would suggest something like that to everybody because their book was revolutionary at the time. And again, books are books. They, you know, they, they need um, 
editing when they need changing, but explain pain. Um, that was their book back in 2013, I think. Let's have a look. Yeah, September 2013. That was the second edition. And it's described as David Butler and Mosley's... Butler and Mosley's Explain Pain kicked off a revolution in therapeutic neuroscience education has become the go-to pain bible for clinicians and sufferers alike. With great authority, clarity and engaging images, it answers commonly asked questions such as why do I hurt? Why has it spread? And what can I do to help? Now that's important. What can we do? What can we do? So there's many factors. And the reason why I'm doing this episode is I was, a, I was, I was feeling suicidal about it. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I, I, I was seeing the pain as the issue, seeing the pain as the factor which was ruining my life and making me just want to, I, one night I considered just throwing myself off a bridge into like six lanes of traffic. So I was like, I'm fucked, I'm broken, I can't do what I want to do, I can't do the things which are so meaningful to me. And that's why as an occupational therapist, I just decided to do what was meaningful. I was like, fuck it, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to keep, I'm going to start lifting weights again. I'm going to start, I was going by the Body by Science style, so that's another great book, Body by Science, by Dr. Doug McGuff, real name, yeah, I know, McGuff, yeah, Dr. Doug McGuff, Body by Science, so that's all about um, the fact that more is not necessarily better, and less is more when it comes to resistance training, so resistance training is, you know, lifting weights, or using resistance machines, or any type of uh, activity where you are put under load. So what does that mean? What does being under load mean? So if you think about it, the human body is designed to be functional. It's not designed to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix. You know, the sedentary lifestyle has so many downsides to it lack of doing anything and also the other thing is for these people that go to a crazy spin class and then spend the rest of the day sitting down i would suggest you read maybe some books like uh, primal endurance or that type of stuff because actually and and also maybe listen to the b rad podcast that's really good brad kearns his podcast that's really good that goes into a lot of stuff about how it's probably actually better to just walk move around, do some gardening, uh, <laughs> lift up your, put the wash, put the rubbish out. Actually, small amounts of movement are probably way better. You don't need to flog yourself. Like doing that flogging in the morning and then sitting down all day, actually, it's being debated. But anyway, this is a whole other subject and as usual. So re- what is resistance training? It increases muscle strength by making your muscles work against a weight or a force. So that was something that was massive for me. Again, it all started from very much vanity. I was a short, fat, overweight child who got bullied. And then I started doing exercise and lost tons of weight. And then was doing, been doing resistance training for like 20 years. And you know what? At the beginning, that was vanity. But the more I've learned, the more I've actually researched, the more... And when I say research, I mean proper research, not like just what someone's said on Instagram. So be careful about this type of stuff. This is where... The pain science education and the pain science stuff gets massively pissed on by these super short, sharp, fix your back in 10 minutes. Use this piece of kit. 
that fucking electric massager thing, which has been all over social media for ages. That shit makes my skin crawl. Or, oh, put this on the back, on your seat, bend over. <laughs> Rephrase that. Put your back onto this. Oh, reef, you know, pull your bodies in, not in alignment. Your, your posture isn't good. Your, this is, you know, that very structural biomedical model of the human body. Now let's think about what I mean when I say that is, we're not simplistic, but the stuff we can do, again, this is like what I've said on the other podcast about mental health. There's so much crossover. Trying to get your body in its optimum, most healthy, balanced state. So what does that mean? Number one, and these are all well-researched and well-identified components of experiencing pain. And pain can come and go. And what's it influenced by? This is the thing. Okay, so... Number one, and this is broken record shit, sleep. Poor sleep equals more likelihood of pain. There's tons of research about that. You know, this I won't go into the deep depths of why, but if you're not giving your system enough time to replenish, relax, and rejuvenate through sleep, and good quality sleep we're talking about here, not scattered sleep, not leaving your phone next to your head and notifications going off. Even if you don't consciously wake up, all the sensory information that's coming in from your environment, a car driving outside, someone snoring next to you, a plane going over the top, your phone going ding, ding, ding in the night, that's still disturbing your sleep. Think about this from an evolutionary perspective. You need to reduce the amount of input as much as possible. Earplugs, an eye mask. Don't have your fucking phone on dinging in the middle of the night. And also the suggestions that Wi-Fi signals, electromagnetic fields can disturb your sleep. But this isn't no 5G conspiracy shit I'm talking about. But focus on getting really good fucking sleep. Go back to the Toy Division episode and listen to it. It's all about sleep. Okay, so that's number one. Food and drink choices. Again, broken record shit. You know, if you eat inflammatory foods, so inflammatory foods are things which are going to bring about inflammation of the human body. Now, inflammation is great when you get a cut or a bruise or a actual um, injury because your body needs to inflame. But chronic inflammation due to low quality processed industrially produced foods, which are pretty much I wouldn't even call them fucking food. And be careful when you see things that are marked as plant based. This is the big issue we've got here. I get the vegan culture. I get it. But just because something has plant-based on it, that don't mean shit. Look at the ingredients. Or, you know what, if it's in a box or packaging, normally, I wouldn't fucking bother. As in, it's got fucking 20 ingredients. Whether you're plant-based, vegetarian, keto, whatever. If it's really fucking processed, it's going to be quite shit. And also, alcohol, obviously, isn't going to have the best thing because that is inflammatory and it messes up your system. And it also messes up your sleep. Um, and again, don't just believe what some fucker's saying on Instagram. Someone's story of, I've decided that being a carnivore is the best thing to do. And everyone needs to do that. We've got something called bio-individuality. What works for one person may not work for someone else. So food and drink choices. And also the psychological component of that. If you're having massive blood glucose spikes throughout the day, you're not really going to be in the best cognitive. So cognition 
is something where it's your awareness of the world comes through our cognition. Now, some people have may heard of cognitive behavioral therapy. I actually don't really rate it that much, but cognition is defined as the mental action or process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and the senses. So there we go, thought, experience, and the senses. So if the input we're putting in isn't great, it's not really gonna help our cognition. So that's a bit like why hanging around toxic people that are just really negative. And I've definitely been a very negative person in my past. I used to get criticized for it, but there's many reasons why we're negative. You know, our worldview can be influenced very much by like our childhood, our upbringing, our immediate environment. But the food and drink choices that we make, we can control that. And it's easier said than done. Cause I've gone through many years of struggling with putting on weight, losing weight, obsessing about food, almost getting to the point of like orthorexia, it's like an obsession with really healthy food. But trying to make the stuff that you put into your body, because it's the building blocks for everything. It's the building blocks for all your neurotransmitters. It's the building block for all of your hormones. Now, the, if the building blocks you're putting into your body is shit, what's built from it is probably gonna be quite shit. So food and drink choices, really important so let's think about inflammation so the inflammation of the system can make it more sensitive so just go and do a bit more research and when i say research probably not just go on instagram actually look up chronic pain inflammation maybe even search the names david butler laura mosley as a starting point to really inform yourself don't think that someone's story is a really informed, non-biased approach. And again, my bias here is probably huge. I can't be aware of it. But one thing I'm really fucking sick of, there's many things I'm sick of, is people being on Instagram telling other people how to live their lives because they've done something and it's worked for them with very little understanding of how fucking biased they are. I'm not calling anyone out, but there's certain people where they're like, do this and do this and you should do this and don't clog your arteries or whatever. It's like these people have very limited biased awareness. And I'm not being elitist here saying, I know more than other people, but do your own learning. Learn for yourself, actually inform yourself. One book does not equal the truth. Read many different sources. Try and look at all different types of lectures. And you know, some people, they don't want to do that. But then don't go on the internet and be fucking dogmatic about it. Don't say, well, this is my way of doing it. And everyone else that doesn't do it is stupid. If, you're, if you eat meat, you want the world to die. Or if you're a vegan, then you're a fucking arsehole. Like, have some humility. Realise that a couple of years down the line, you might realise that what you think now, and I'm sure this is gonna be the case with me, that's why I've become very humble to step back and be like, because anyone that thinks they know everything, that guru, that expert, be cautious of people like that. Because their ability to step back and really look at issues from a, you know, a 40,000 feet view is limited. Just because someone's done a training course, it doesn't mean they're a fucking expert. So, next thing, stress reduction. Mindfulness, meditation, stress reduction, reducing the input from your immediate environment. Is that job fucking burning you out? It's probably gonna make you more susceptible to <laughs> pain, experiencing pain, experiencing something which is flaring up. So let's redefine that. It's not normally an injury. Very rarely is these like actual hardcore injuries. It's referred to as a pain flare up. 
shit happens. These things pop up, these things can happen, but your resilience, your ability to not be that fragile egg that breaks every time, you can do that. So reducing stress, doing mindfulness, doing meditation, doing Tai Chi, doing yoga, not to stretch your muscles out, because that's the other thing. Oh, you've got you've to stretch everything and you've got a muscle imbalance, actually quite debated and or flawed concepts, but that's a whole other fucking podcast episode all about the fucking because again very medical model biomedical oh your scapula is weaker than your pectoralis pectoralis major so therefore if you strengthen that that will fix it Mm, probably the input is different but any unique input into a system is going to bring about a potential benefit so when you go and get that intense massage, when you go and get that cranial sacral therapy, when you go and do those squats, when you go and all these things, all these treatments, all these external treatments, manual therapy stuff, there's all the bias that comes into that. Because if you believe in your mind that getting dry needled or getting um, trigger point therapy, which are all hugely debated, they're not, nothing is ever fixed. But if you think it's going to work, it's more likely to. That comes down to the cognitive thing about pain. It's not simple. But reducing stress is something which we can try and do. And that actually really helps our mental health because there's no mental health without physical health. And there's no physical health without mental health. And there's no psychology without biology. And there's no biology without psychology. So just sit for like two or three seconds. And then the final point, movement. This terms like motion is lotion. You know, what the fuck does that mean? But staying sedentary, not using your muscles, ligaments, tendons, not using your cardiovascular system, not challenging your immune system. And when I say challenge, I don't mean flogging yourself to fucking death, but never going for a walk because you're worried about your back pain. This is the most common thing is that medical model. Oh, you're fragile. Oh, doctors told me I should never, I shouldn't go for a walk or should avoid movement. Don't believe that shit. How can the system regenerate, repair and actually deal with the current issues if it's not having different inputs? And I know that sounds very simplistic. If you're putting no input into a system, it's not going to adapt. The human body has the ability to regenerate, recuperate and change on levels that we still don't really understand fully. But if you're not putting the stimulation in, the input is not going to cause that output. So go back and listen to that episode with Jess Farmer that I did. Really good. We didn't actually, unfortunately, cover the whole of the the six pillars of health he was talking about. But this is the thing with the chronic persistent pain. I would suggest anyone that's experiencing it, look up David Butler, Butler, David Butler, Lorimer Mosley. And there's a really good podcast, which I will put in the show notes. I'll put all these things into the show notes because knowledge is power. Not having to go to see a fucking, yeah, fuck you fucking pain specialist doctor you fucking useless cunt um i know we wouldn't be listening to this ever but now we've got it where the information is out there but being able to uh, being able to like see through the bullshit there's a lot of people that are trying to sell you a solution but you actually have that solution in yourself 
and you can find clinicians and therapists who help you to find that yourself. You have the answer inside you. I have the power. You're some He-Man shit. The other thing I've never got about He-Man is how the fuck is Skeletor like hench? He's a fucking skeleton. He shouldn't have muscles. But I guess that's a minor point. So there's a great podcast called The Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata or Tata. He's American, so it's pretty Tata. But that's an amazing one. The most recent episode, episode 232, is all with the world's top pain scientists. And that is a mind bender. Way more people. So David Butler, Lorimer Mosley are on there. Um, all the big dogs, I would say, in the pain science world are on there. And there's little snippets in that episode that are so worth, so worth it. Um, and... It's described as pain science is a part of a larger field of neuroscience which investigates nociception and the lived experiences of pain. Um, so that's what the other part of that description, and I've just skipped ahead, it says um, pain education is one component part of an overall cognitive behavioural intervention. It doesn't mean CBT, it means cognitive behavioural. So changing our thinking can change how our body feels. Again, there's no biology without psychology and there's no psychology without biology. Um, and pain science education is one component of an overall cognitive behavioural intervention which teaches people how to effectively self-manage chronic pain. And that's the key of this whole fucking episode of me talking absolute bollocks. If you're in a state of real intense pain at the moment or you have pain flare-ups and you're just like, fuck this again, fucking hell... I was not getting any of this advice from anyone. All it, what it actually took was a conversation with a former colleague of mine, a psychologist. He had really debilitating pain in his hands and almost like arthritic claw hands all together, taking tons of meds, put on tons of weight because of the shitty meds. And then was like, nah, fuck it, I'm going to stop taking these meds. I'm going to stop doing this shit and actually worked on himself and actually, you know, freed himself from that medical model and hands went kind of back to normal. And the day he told me that, this was a conversation at work and I was in a low pit of mental health because it's due to my pain. I fucking cried. I'll be honest, I fucking cried. And then I found the clip that I'm going to just put after I finish talking now by Laura Mosley. So I recommend everybody, everybody... Listen to this. It's a great animation on YouTube called Tame the Beast. Taming the Beast. And I will put a link in the show notes for it. Because it changed my life. It made me realise there is hope. There is meaning after feeling like my body is broken. Feeling like I'm a frail old man. And I hope just one... I hope many people listen to this and realise that there is hope. There is a reason to keep going because a very common thing with chronic persistent pain is suicidal ideation. It's like, what's the point of fucking living anymore? So if you're listening to this, if you're finding it of use, share it with other people, send it to someone else. You're like, oh, check this out about this pain science shit. Now, I bet a lot of my points haven't been super on point, but I'm just trying to spread the knowledge because I know graffiti writers listen to this and I want to make sure that people in my culture, not that I own it, but part of the culture I value so much, can actually get some benefit out of it. So anyway, hold tight. 
listen to this. It's it's an animation, but it's again you can't see it, but you'll hear it and explains pain like taming the beast. Anyway, I'm going to sign out now. Enjoy this, and I'll put any references and stuff in the show notes. Once upon a time, all the lands were fraught with persistent pain. So widespread was this affliction that one in four people experienced it. The pain lasted for more than three months. It shadowed their daily lives, held them back from everyday activities, and the interventions they tried proved useless. Hey, pain, go away, we've tried it all, but still you stay. Moving less, taking pills, knives and needles, and still we're sore, we can't take no more, no more. But the pain remains like a loyal companion. The people's hopes faded, and they became resigned to living with the pain. Only now the pain was a beast. Then along came a group of researchers, of which I am one. Back off, big fella. I'm Professor Lorimer Mosley, and I'm a pain scientist. Pain scientists are starting to think differently about pain and its causes, and we're making exciting discoveries, like how the way you think about your pain can change the way it feels. Over the next few minutes, I'll help you to understand your pain. Understanding is important because it can change how much things hurt and how much your body can do, and it can help you to tame the beast. First, trust me about this. Pain is not an accurate measure of tissue health. Pain is a protector. By making unpleasant feelings, your brain changes your behavior so you can avoid injury or your tissues can heal. Sometimes pain is not helpful, like phantom limb pain. You don't expect a missing limb to ache, but it does, and the pain is very real. So how do we explain this? Well, pain is a warning signal from your brain that depends on credible evidence to say your body needs protecting. Sometimes pain's too protective and you get unnecessary warning signals. Pain scientists now understand that there are many ways our nervous system ends up producing unnecessary warning signals. So that's episode 64 of Toy Division, Done and Dusted. There's been a lot of information in this and I think the reason why it's so important to me is I really just want to help people understand what pain can mean and how it's not the end of days for all of us. And even if so, we can still learn how to deal with it. Anyway, in the process of putting this all together, um, there was actually an article in The Guardian uh, this week. And it's actually, the title is, What is Chronic Pain and How Does It Work? And it's called The Pain That Can't Be Seen. And it says, for years, people with conditions such as fibromyalgia or bad back pain, to name just two, have been told the pain is all in their head with no obvious physical symptoms. Pain can be difficult to diagnose. Now, I've just cut that short a bit because I just wanted to correct something that I said earlier on in the episode. As always, I just kind of rant on and don't really um, often finishes, finish my points, probably my ADHD, but that's another subject, which I'm doing exactly the same now. So just wanted to define the three types of pain to make sure I've actually got it properly because I don't think I actually defined it really well. So you've got neuropathic pain. So that's like I said, where it comes in from the nociceptors. You've got neuropathic pain, which is um, due to some nerve damage. And then 
as they mentioned in that Guardian article title, or the bit at the beginning, nosy plastic pain. And nosy plastic pain is what's used to describe pain that's not due to ongoing inflammation and damage of tissues. And nociceptive pain refers to when someone experiences pain without any clear evidence of actual tissue damage. Um, also, I did say chronic pain or chronic persistent pain is after six months. As you heard Laura Mimosley say, it's after three months. So I think what's really important is, is to be aware that going to see someone, going to see a medical professional, actually getting assessed is important, but don't go to some bullshit sports doctor or, you know, well, go to the kind of doctor that you want. But just remember, a lot of doctors aren't very informed about the most up-to-date pain science. So this has been a pretty emotional episode for me because of my chronic persistent pain, but I hope it helps other people. And um, I listened back to it when I was editing it and I didn't even mention, I said the biopsychosocial approach, didn't even mention what the psycho thing is, but I'm hoping this episode might change the psychological perspective of what people think about their pain. And as I said at the beginning, and I always say, share this with someone else because it might really change how they feel because they understand they're not alone and that their pain is actually something that can be dealt with. We all have the power and I'm gonna go and research why Skeletors so hench. Some people might have noticed that the Toy Division underscore podcast Instagram has gone dead. It's because we got blocked out of it and Facebook slash Instagram are fucking useless at helping people out. So there is a new Toy Division Instagram it's Toy Division, the number two. So that's Toy Division two, as in the digit two, Toy Division two on Instagram. Anyway, enough of my endless rambling. Peace out, Toy Division.